0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. In January of 1991, just after the fury of Operation Desert Storm was unleashed in the Persian Gulf, Kem and I went to the Somerville Theater to our first Blind Boys of Alabama concert. If we hadn't already bought tickets, I might have declined to be entertained. Gutted by the outbreak of war, I sat in the dark in despair. Toward the end of the first act, the blind boys sang, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, an old hymn published in 1887. It was new to me, but many of you were raised with it. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms." What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. I was captivated. And as has happened to me at difficult junctures in my life, I was struck with the clear directive to turn toward those everlasting arms and lean in. What are the everlasting arms in your life? I'm reflecting on faith this morning, our faith as we mark the three-year anniversary of the COVID-19 shutdown and continue to live through a global pandemic that has killed nearly 7 million people. We are sauntering together, spiritual companions on this unknown path, literally building the road as we walk on it. Nikos Kazantzakis, the novelist best known for Zorba the Greek, also wrote a novel called St. Francis. In it, Francis asks the holy man, what is the path? The holy man replies, it's not a path. It's an abyss. Jump. I am compelled by a simple faith, simple but not easy, an uncomplicated shining faith that asks a lot of us. This is Unitarian Universalism, that often tested belief in one another's inherent worth and dignity, and the conviction that we are all deeply interconnected. In Pali, the language of the Buddha, there is a word variously translated as confidence, trust, and faith, the word is Sada, and Sada literally means to place the heart upon. Faith, to place the heart upon. Over and over as we live into our faith, we are compelled to jump. The question for each of us is, upon what do we place our hearts? What are those everlasting arms? Buddhist teacher Sharon Salzberg writes, often it is the journey itself, not the destination, that is the real point of setting forth. For me, she continues the journey to the doorway of freedom has been the unfolding of my faith because I had to be willing to keep moving forward even when I felt like I was walking in the dark. With faith, we move into the unknown, openly meeting whatever the next moment brings. Faith is what gets us out of bed and opens us to the possibility that our lives can be different. Because of faith, we have the strength to take that magnitude of risk and jump. Even if we can't quite believe that we deserve to be happy or peaceful, or free, our faith tells us that in spite of ourselves, we do. Even if we can't quite believe that we are capable of breaking the boundary, holding nothing back, and asking for help, that's the foolproof recipe for a vibrant spiritual life. Faith tells us us that in spite of ourselves, we are. And if we really give ourselves wholeheartedly to this faith, this Unitarian Universalist faith of possibility and potential, we will continue to see that we have the capacity to jump. Unitarian Ralph Waldo Emerson reminds us what lies behind us and what lies before us are small matters compared to what lies within us. Wilfred Cantwell Smith, Canadian scholar of comparative religion, defined faith as an orientation to oneself, to one's neighbor, to the universe. A total response, he said, a capacity to live at more than a mundane level, to see to feel, to act in terms of a transcendent dimension. I find stories of extraordinary faith, both instructive and compelling. Reverend Galen Gingrich, my good colleague at All Souls in New York City, tells this story. Several thousand years ago, the Mesopotamian king, Nebuchadnezzar, invaded the land of the Hebrews, and conquered Jerusalem. He forced about 10,000 of Jerusalem's most prominent Jewish citizens, professionals, priests, skilled workers, and the wealthy, to relocate to Babylon, his capital city. This exile in Babylon lasted for about 60 years. As the story is told in the Hebrew Bible, the identity of the Jewish people emerged from God's promise to protect the Jews and to use them for good in human history. The Babylonian exile called this promise into question, and thus the very self-identity of the Jewish people. The Babylonian exile was a crucible of despair. The Jews in Palestine felt abandoned by their counterparts in Babylon, Those exiled in Babylon felt forsaken by God. This existential crisis eventually produced many of the Psalms in the Hebrew Bible, as well as the Book of Job, which wrestles directly with the question of why bad things happen to good people. Over time, however, the Jews moved from understanding their exile in strictly political and geographic terms, to understanding it theologically and personally. Instead of blaming only Nebuchadnezzar or God, they came to see their own shortcomings, the ways in which they had failed to remain faithful. Especially in the books of the Hebrew prophets Ezekiel and Isaiah, the focus is less on the judgment of others than on their own failure to uphold the ethical standards to which they were supposedly committed. The captivity of the Jews in Babylon eventually ended when the Babylonian Empire was overthrown by the Persian king, Cyrus the Great. The Jews returned home to Jerusalem. But they came to understand that the blessings of freedom, both their political freedom and their spiritual freedom, required them to remember the lessons they had learned in Babylon, to remain true to their convictions and faithful to their calling. This is not merely a teaching tale. This is history. Each of us is called to lean into those everlasting arms, to place our hearts upon. Galen Gingrich writes The late 20th century theologian Paul Tillich observes that all of us have the experience of being divided within ourselves, estranged from our capacity for goodness, and isolated from the deepest needs of our spirit. He describes the courage to overcome this sense of estrangement and exile, to reunite ourselves with the fullness of our own spirits and the grace that lies in the world we inhabit as the innermost center of faith. Out of this courage, he says, our greatest strength emerges. Be courageous. Jump. Jump. In 1977, Dr. Richard Moss was a practicing physician on his day off, sitting in a cafe, sipping coffee, and reading a book. When, he says, all at once, the words began to dance on the page. As I looked around, everything seemed alive with energy. The very air itself was on fire with radiant light, and my body felt like an atomic reactor gone wild. He continues, I left the restaurant and headed up a country road toward the mountains. I felt as though my body would explode. A shimmering brilliance pervaded everything, and I began to dissolve into the world around me. I became afraid. My medical mind offered a chain of distressing diagnoses, seizure, stroke, psychosis. Although I had walked slowly, I could feel my heart pounding. I tried to breathe deeply in order to center myself. I told myself to let go, but then I began to dissolve even more, and the fear became overwhelming. Dr. Moss returned to the cafe where he was meeting a friend who's a therapist and asked her for help. She dismissed the idea of psychosis, took him home so he wouldn't be alone, and lit candles that burned day and night, surrounding him with the ambience of a ritual. For four or five days, Dr. Moss remained in a state of intense agitation and anxiety, making it almost impossible to sleep I was standing at the edge of an abyss, he says, afraid and unable to let go, yet too anguished to remain where I was. Finally, he arrived at a state of complete resignation. I had done everything I could think to do, he says. All that was left was acceptance. I vowed to myself that I would live one moment at a time. And even if I knew nothing but this misery, I would learn to be grateful. This is faith, the incontrovertible realization that something greater than we, loved ones, strangers, something on which to place our hearts, those everlasting arms. Something is there to catch us and hold us through the darkest night. After the experience subsided in reflecting on it, Richard Moss believes he was breaking through to a higher level of consciousness and realizes that resisting that breakthrough only empowered his misery. The task, he says, is to know that even this is the very divine. There are many, many people who believe that the everlasting arms are those of that God who makes his blessing or exacts vengeance for reasons most often beyond our comprehension. I have heard it said that the pandemic is an expression of the wrath of God. But I need a better God than that. I need, I want, I need a God of unconditional love, strength, and resilience. Over the past three years, there have been many times when my heart faltered. I was afraid. It is something to lead when you have no idea where you're going. What steadied me, what gave me courage and faith was you. Every time the Arlington Street Zoom Room opened and I saw your beautiful faces appear, a sight for sore eyes. Every time I said, please unmute yourself. And I heard your voices, a balm to my wounded soil. Every time we gathered, my faith was restored. And every time we reached up to touch the sides of our Hollywood squares, I was held and upheld by your everlasting arms. Beloved spiritual companions, may we know deeply that even this is the very divine. Let us turn toward those everlasting arms and lean in. Place our hearts upon, be courageous, and jump. What lies behind us and what lies before us are small matters compared to what lies within us. Let's close with Austrian poet Rainer Mario Rilke's God Speaks to Each of Us. God speaks to each of us as God makes us and then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You sent out beyond your recall. Go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Flare up like flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. We will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in Namaste. I bow to the divine in you. Let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen.
1: Where you go, I will go. Your people are mine. Your people are my people. Your divine, my divine. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go.